This is Talking Urology. This Talking Urology Ands Up 2018 conference highlight is proudly brought to you by Ipsen. Joseph Iskia chats to Dr. Hariana Dillon, Senior Research Fellow and Psychologist with the University of Sydney. Her talk was intriguingly titled, This Dog Bites, and explores whether we are doing enough to address anxiety and depression in patients with cancer. Thanks, Harry, for joining us. You have a fantastic talk today on the psychological impact of cancer. What were some of the key points you wanted uh, the audience to take away? Well, I guess what I'd really like people to um, take on board and think about quite hard is how much effort patients put into uh, maintaining their health, adhering to their treatments and um, getting themselves into the hospital system and the impost that 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 has on the individuals as well as their family members. It's quite hard work and sometimes people find it very distressing and quite stressful to do that as well as expensive. Okay, and from a cancer perspective, obviously there's a lot of depression that's probably underreported and underdetected by doctors. What are some of the, the key tips you have for us when trying to uh, manage patients in this situation? Well, I guess the, the main thing is to be aware of it and really to um, to do what you can to try and destigmatize um, anxiety and depression. So we know that there's been a lot of campaigning around Australia and in other places, particularly um, to try and reduce the stigma of anxiety and depression, but it's still pretty strong. So we know that about 21% of cancer patients will experience um, a mood disorder, so either anxiety or depression. Um, sometimes people will experience both of those things. Uh, and they're really really um, likely to go undetected because sometimes health professionals think that it's kind of normal for cancer patients to be a bit down and sad um, because it's part of having cancer. The problem is that we know that we've got interventions that help people who are clinically depressed or clinically anxious and some of those people are not getting the help that they need and that's a really big problem for them. You used a very interesting sentence in your uh, talk today. Is compassion clouding our clinical judgment? What do you mean by that? Well, I think we spend a lot of time um, trying to recognise that uh, the cancer experience for people is challenging and um, and that they, they need our compassion. They need us to be able to feel for them and to have empathy with the situation that they're in. What sometimes happens is, though, that I think that we... Um, we don't look hard enough at what's really going on with them. So as I, was, I mentioned earlier, it's actually around that question of are these individuals actually clinically depressed or clinically anxious and do they need treatment? And we think we're being kind to them and compassionate, but actually we're not helping them get to the treatment that they need. So a pat on the shoulders, not treatment. Is that what you're telling us? I think that's definitely not treatment. So what can we do... If you have some practical advice for the listeners, what can we do then to maybe help identify patients that would benefit from a referral to a uh, to a psychiatrist or someone, or a psychologist? What do you recommend? Well, I guess I would say straight up, most people don't need, um, most people are not going to need a psychologist necessarily or, or a psychiatrist. Um, they might need some support for a little bit of the time, but, um, but the majority of people that you're going to ask the question to are not going to need that much help. I guess the key thing is though that you need to ask and ask in a way that patients are actually going to respond. Give um, us practical, give me a practical, practical question I can use. Well, I guess, um, yeah, it's, it's tricky because sometimes it's easier to ask it on a, you know, 
on a tool. So actually using a distress thermometer in practice or, or, some, you know, or one of those simple tools is actually really helpful. Um, the challenge then is though that you've got to have someone to check it and you need to then be able to follow up on it. So I think just asking people, how are you traveling? What's happening? Um, and actually telling them up front and telling them regularly that you might, there might be times when you do actually want to have some extra help. Um, and maybe sometimes just talking to somebody who's outside of your family and is not part of your direct cancer team can actually really help you to manage um, the emotions that go with being on this journey. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Harry. Is there anything else you want us to take away from today's talk? Well, I guess the only other thing that I would say is that there's been a lot of energy in different places and different times put into trying to set up distress screening for cancer patients. But one of the things that's happened quite consistently in that process is by not having a clinical pathway to back that up, the systems have fallen over. And so I think it's really important that we do the work to make sure that we've got the clinical pathway to direct patients to and to do the work around implementing that properly in a way that's manageable so that we get the best care to people all the time. Thanks very much, Harry. You're a great friend of Talking Urology. We appreciate you being here. Pleasure. Talking Urology at Up, proudly supported by Ibsen. 